Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Natalia Calazzani from Cambridge University in the UK. Natalia is a research associate and a member of the CanTest Collaborative. Natalia recently published an article called Identifying Novel Biomarkers Ready for Evaluation in Low Prevalence Populations for the Early Detection of Upper Gastrointestinal Cancers, a Systematic Review. And this was published in Advances in Therapy. Welcome, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So my first question for you is, you're a member of CanTest in the UK and it's funded by Cancer Research UK. Could you give us a little bit of background on CanTest and how this paper fits in with the research that they develop? So CanTest is an international collaboration with researchers from the UK, Australia, USA, the Netherlands and Denmark. And we all work together on early detection and diagnosis of cancer in primary care. And one of the key aims of CanTest is to identify different ways to develop and implement new and better diagnostic tests, or even different models of care in primary care, where we know that cancer prevalence is low and patients often present with common, non-specific symptoms that may or may not indicate cancer. And very importantly, CanTest aims to go beyond diagnostic test performance So we also investigate other issues such as implementation, so feasibility, acceptability, safety, and also cost-effectiveness. And we also have a very strong focus on building research capacity. So we have an annual international school, we have travel bursaries, and more recently we've had a lot of online activities, as you can imagine. So a lot of online networking events and also lots of knowledge sharing sessions. So this paper is part of a larger program of work which investigates novel biomarkers for early detection of gastrointestinal cancers. And we have another review that focuses on lower GI cancers, which was led by Belmore and has just been accepted for publication. So we will shortly be reporting on that. And we are also going to shortly be working on another review, which will focus on liver cancers only. Such a lot of work underway. That's wonderful. Still with CanTest, this systematic review is underpinned by the CanTest framework that I was reading in the paper. And I was just interested, what is the CanTest framework and why is it important when we're thinking about the research pipeline for biomarkers? Uh, yes. So the CanTest collaboration developed a framework that underpins all the research that we carry out. And this was developed by the senior faculty after they carried out the systematic scoping review of existing frameworks and then refined the framework after discussion and consensus. And this framework describes five different research phases from the early stages when a test is developed until wide health system implementation and evaluation in the intended setting. So in our case, in primary care. And I guess one of the key differences uh, from previously developed frameworks was the need to really clarify the importance of understanding test performance when we try to translate results from often very highly selected populations where cancer prevalence is high to our final intended low prevalence populations in primary care. And the CanTest framework was published in BMC Cancer in 2019. So if anyone would like to know more, you can find more information at the CanTest website. And this framework, it is important 
when we think about biomarkers, because we were aware that biomarker research and biomarkers, they're still often tested in very highly selected, high cancer prevalence population. And this means it's very challenging to translate results to our population of interest in primary care. So if biomarker research is still in the early stages in the contest framework, for us, this means we not only have limited information about the clinical utility of those biomarkers in primary care, but also regarding other important issues in terms of implementation, safety, and cost effectiveness. So basically, the framework, it helps us understand how relevant and applicable the current evidence actually is for us. Thank you. We'll make sure that we put a link to the framework and to CanTest website in our show notes as well for all our listeners to visit if they're interested in reading more and learning more about you. So the review that we're chatting about today included a huge 149 studies, (laughs) which is just an epic result. And in the results, you did separate studies based on design. So you had, you know, single or two gate studies. What actually is the difference between these type of studies and what was your reasoning for using that design to separate them? So, yeah, so a single gate design occurs when all individuals that were included in a study, they were recruited through a single route of entry, or in other words, all cases and controls, they came from a single cohort. For example, you had lots of patients, they all sought help because they had symptoms, and then a biomarker or a panel of biomarkers was used. Some patients, they had cancer, so this would be the cancer cases, while others did not have cancer, so this would be the non-cancer controls. A two-gate design, on the other hand, refers to cases and controls recruited through different gates or different routes of entry. So, for example, all cancer cases came from patients who were diagnosed in a hospital, while all controls were recruited from a health center where we knew that all patients were healthy. So in this case, we're talking about healthy controls. Or another example would be to recruit all patients with a known, non-malignant condition. So, for example, gastritis or pancreatitis, all recruited from a gastroenterology department in a hospital. And the key challenge with the two-gate designs is the likelihood of spectrum bias. And basically, spectrum bias refers to variation in test performance uh, due to patient characteristics. And we do know that biomarkers evaluated in highly selected, high-prevalence populations, they tend to overinflate measures of diagnostic performance. And a two-gate design will have a highly selected population. For example, you're going to have more severe cancer cases or the controls will be quite healthy. And because of that, it's very likely that we're going to overestimate test sensitivity and specificity. And as a consequence, our ability to translate results to our population of interest. And because of these limitations, we focused our synthesis on biomarkers investigated in those studies that adopted a single gate design. So then thinking about the results of these studies, could you kind of walk us through some of your key findings? So as you mentioned, we included, yeah, 149 studies, which reported on biomarkers for the detection of gastric, esophageal, pancreatic, and biliary tract cancers. And about half of the included studies were carried out in China. And other common countries were also Japan and South Korea, with 15 studies each, the United States, 12 studies, and Germany with nine studies. And interestingly, uh, most study participants were recruited from hospitals or other secondary care settings, and only one study recruited from primary care. 
And we found that most cancer cases were diagnosed at later stages, so stages three and four, while most controls were actually normal or healthy populations. Although we also had quite a few controls that had no malignant conditions, such as gastritis or pancreatitis, and also a few hundred that had uh, pre-malignant conditions. And were there any promising biomarkers for you know, specific upper GI cancer sites? So that was another interesting finding. We, we found hundreds of biomarkers, 431 to be exact. However, when we tried to find the biomarkers that were mentioned by more than one study, there were only 72 of those investigating for the same tumor type. And individual measures of performance were only available for about half of those, so 35 biomarkers provided us with outcome measures. And out of those 35, only four were reported in studies that adopted the single gate design. So out of the 431, we ended up with four. Isn't that amazing? Just <laughs> to go from hundreds to four. First it was the shock, oh my God, how are we going to deal with this? And then, you know, <laughs> and then afterwards it was like, okay, four. So what do we do with those four? So those four biomarkers, they were two different types of apolipoproteins for pancreatic cancer and uh, serum pepsinogens for gastric cancer. And something that was quite surprising, we were expecting heterogeneity, but not as much as we got. So we could not do a meta-analysis. In sum, basically, the apolipoproteins had poor sensitivity, but reasonable areas under the curve, while the serum pepsinogens had a very wide range of sensitivity, specificity, and area under the curve. And that's because so many groups were being compared that we have so many measures. It's very hard to synthesize the evidence. It's quite something. These biomarkers, they were investigated in a mix of high and low prevalence populations. So we had some screening populations, hospital populations. And it may actually be that they will be useful in primary care, but we need more studies with low prevalence populations so we can actually confirm that this is indeed the case. So you touched on before unexpected levels of heterogeneity and having to kind of go from a large number of potential biomarkers down to a very small set. Given this is just such a comprehensive review, I'm really interested if you have any other insights about conducting a systematic review of diagnostic test accuracy. The key thing is what you've mentioned in terms of heterogeneity, and that really surprised us. Because it was not only about the number of biomarkers, but also the included populations, the use of different panels. So every single panel of biomarker we identified, they're all different from each other. We couldn't even compare those. Uh, the number of subgroup comparisons, so so many groups being compared in a single paper. The fact that even the same biomarker was investigated using different cutoff points. So I think it's just a note, you know, a learning point. It was very difficult to synthesize the data, but it's something to be very aware of if anyone is ever planning to do a systematic review for biomarkers. It is, it is quite impressive, the level of heterogeneity. So I guess because of that, one of our recommendations was about the need to develop more research collaborations. So we need more studies about the same biomarkers. And this is also important so we have adequate sample sizes, so the sample sizes are not too small. But we need to work together more often to generate more homogeneous evidence. And relevant to that as well is the need to be more consistent in terms of reporting. It was very hard sometimes to find information. So even key information about the studied populations or the analysis which were being carried out 
it was difficult to find this data. And very often we had to check supplementary data. And I suppose another learning point is the importance of not underestimating the time that it takes to screen the studies and to do all the data extraction. So that took a long time. And I suppose another point would be the wealth of data. We, we were quite surprised. We found a lot of studies. So there's a lot of data. Although, as I mentioned, heterogeneity made it quite challenging to make sense of the evidence. So it, it's very important when doing such reviews that you have a very good team working together to get all the work done properly and in a timely fashion. And we know with systematic reviews, timing is, is very important. So we were very fortunate that we had the help and support from researchers both in Australia and the UK to get the work done. I completely agree that having, you know, that team being able to pull things together in a timely fashion for a systematic review is essential. How long did it take you to get this review done from start to finish? It took us a year. So we we started in November last year, not last year, the year before last. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we finished uh, late last year. And, uh, and then there's the waiting period, you know, after you submit for peer review and everything. So we got the paper accepted for publication in November and published in December. And as I mentioned, uh, the lower GI paper has also been accepted a few days ago. So it was pretty much a year. Congratulations. A few days ago, it's very fresh still. Yeah, no, it's very good news. It's a relief. <laughs> it's always a relief when we can complete a project and get it published, isn't it? It is. And look, our last question is always around the take-home message of your study. So what do you want our listeners to take away from your study? What's the elevator pitch? Our key message is that while there's a lot of evidence out there on biomarkers being evaluated, and they are being evaluated for early detection, but the research is still at a very early stage, so it's not there yet for us. So it may be that some of the biomarkers we identified, they will be helpful for primary care, but we do need more evidence on their performance in this setting so we can actually recommend further evaluations. On that note, the review is important because it shows the landscape and it shows all the work that's being done. But what it shows is that we are not there yet for biomarkers that could be used for the early detection of upper GI cancers in primary care. And uh, results may be more promising for other tumor types. And we do hope that we will be able to report on those very soon. Oh, I hope so too. I would very much look forward to reading that. Thank you so much for your time today, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg and there's also our website which is pc4tg.com.au.